I just don't know what to do. What do you mean? Like, what do we say? I don't know. Introduce yourself. You introduce yourself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast, True Crimes and Story Times. I'm Michelle. I'm Kirsten. And it's a story time again. My last one, actually, I think. Yeah. So, Kirsten will be doing story time the next time. I don't even know what I'm doing. An episode comes out. You'll have to check the schedule. If you're subscribed to our Patreon, you can already go look and see what I'm doing before I even remember what I'm doing. We do need to update it, Yeah. Because we missed, like, a couple weeks, so we need to go back and update the dates. You can figure it out. You'll get it. You'll get it. Just look Anywho, at it. an exorcism that happened in Indianapolis. Okay. Okay. Um, in a haunting kind of possession type story. Okay. And this is a true story. Oh gosh. Just so you know. So yeah, um, we're gonna jump right into it. Um, let's go. There's not a lot of information out there to the public about this. The only information they gave was to this, like, news article. Okay. So, that's my only source. Okay. So, there was a 36-year veteran of Gary Police Department, mm-hmm. and his name was Austin. <laughs> I know. So, he was investigating what he initially thought was a hoax, because I feel like a lot of people think that. Mm-hmm. He thought the Latoya... Amons and her family made this whole thing up for money. Okay. And he visited their home several times and did several interviews with witnesses. And then all of a sudden, he simply said, I am a believer. Interesting. So many of the events are detailed in nearly 800 pages of official records obtained by the Indianapolis Star, which is where I got this information from. Okay. It's recounted in more than a dozen interviews with police. DCS personnel, because, yeah, DCS got involved. Department of Child Services? Yep. Psychologists, family members, and a Catholic priest. Okay. Latoya asked her children not to be interviewed or named, so they're not interviewed or named in this article, and even if they were, I wouldn't include it. Okay. She signed releases letting the star review medical, psychological, psychological, why could, why was I having so much trouble with that, and official records that are not open to the public. Okay. Furthermore, the family story is made only more bizarre because it involves a DCS intervention, like we had talked about, a string of psychological evaluations, a police investigation, and a series of exorcisms. Okay. But the story just begins with flies. Okay. And I put Amityville Horror. I don't get that. Because the flies. I don't get it. Amityville Horror started with flies? Amityville Horror. You covered Amityville Horror. Do you know? Yeah, remember? but I don't remember anything about flies. Yes, there's flies in that movie. Is there? Yes. I don't remember. Anyway. Speaking of flies, when me and Austin. So, my boyfriend and I went and did, like, a self-guided tour at the Indiana Sanatorium. It's so cool. So, if you don't know about it, it's, like, an abandoned tuberculosis hospital, abandoned nursing home, and an abandoned um, mental hospital. Mm-hmm. And there were flies, like in one of the houses there's like doctor's bungalows where the doctors used to live for the tuberculosis hospital Mm -hmm. they lived on site and like there were flies in like the window i was like oh that's weird get the fuck out of here yes amityville horror has flies anyways 
In November of 2011, Latoya's family moved into a rental house on Carolina Street in Gary, which was a quiet street. had a lot of small one-story homes, nothing crazy. So in the beginning, big black flies suddenly swarmed their screened-in porch. Okay. And this was in December. Okay. Very cold. Yeah. So this is not normal, is what Latoya's mother, Rosa, said. And she remembers thinking, we killed them and killed them and killed them, but they kept coming back. Okay. After midnight, Rosa and LaToya both said they occasionally heard the steady clump of footsteps climbing the basement stairs and the creak of the door opening between the basement and the kitchen. But they never saw anybody there. Mm-hmm. And even after they locked the door, the noise kept going. Like, it still kept continuing. Hmm. Which, I have a childhood story. When I lived in a two-story house, you heard people walking up and down the yeah. steps all fucking night long, mm-hmm. and nobody's there. You yeah. just heard the stairs creaking all the time. Mm-hmm. Rosa said she woke up one night and saw a shadowy figure of a man pacing her living room. She leaped out of bed to investigate and found large, wet boot prints. Mm. On March 10th of 2012, Rosa said this is when the family like really started to get worried. Things really started to like get crazy. Mm-hmm. She started to hit the fan. It was about 2 a.m. And usually, Rosa LaToya and her children would have been asleep already. But they were mourning the death of a loved one with a group of friends. LaToya was in Rosa's bedroom and Rosa heard her scream, Mama, Mama. Mm-hmm. Rosa said she ran into her bedroom where her then 12-year-old granddaughter and a friend were staying. LaToya and Rosa said the 12-year-old was levitating above the bed unconscious. The fuck? LaToya and several others surrounded the girl, and they prayed. And Rosa remembers just being absolutely terrified. Eventually, her granddaughter finally laid on the bed, and she woke up with absolutely no memory of what had happened. That's messed up. And the people who visited that night refused to return. They never came back to that house. So, the the granddaughter that was levitating, she didn't mm-hmm. know what happened. She was like, I was nope. just asleep. Yep. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Damn. Rosa says she remembers telling her daughter that they needed help and to find someone to help them deal with this because what the fuck is happening? Yeah. And they both believed that it was something supernatural. They called a lot of local churches, but none of them wanted anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. And eventually, after listening to Rosa and Latoya talk about the house and visiting it, officials at one church told them the Carolina Street house had spirits in it. Clearly. Yeah. They recommended the family clean the home with bleach and ammonia and then use oil to draw crosses on every door and window. The church also suggested she pour olive oil on her three children's hands and feet, then smear oil in the shape of crosses on their foreheads. Interesting. I'm not sure where the olive oil comes into play. Don't know. But maybe it's supposed to ward off spirits or something. Mm Mm-hmm. Rosa and LaToya also reached out to two clairvoyants who said the family's home was designed by more than 200 demons. Dang. Dang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they also told LaToya that the best thing to do is move. But, like, when... You can't just move. If I thought about moving right now, bro, no. Like, I could not. I can't just up and move. No. Like, a lot of people can't. They don't have no. the money to. Yeah. Not everyone has that option. Mm-hmm. LaToya did take the advice, though, that she could, and she made an altar in the basement, because that is what one of the clairvoyants told her to do. Okay. LaToya covered an end table with a white sheet, 
placed a white candle and a statue of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus on it, and she opened a Bible to Psalm 91. Okay. Her and another person donned white t-shirts and wound white scarves around their heads, and the clairvoyants also told them to burn sage and sulfur throughout the house, starting upstairs and working their way down, which I thought you were supposed to clean out the furthest part from the house. To the doors and windows. To the doors and windows, but... Maybe they're trying to get it to the altar. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. The smoke was so thick that they could hardly breathe. Dang. Which, yeah, I'm sure it was. Yeah. And the sulfur does not smell good. Yeah. Latoya drew a cross with the smoke. Mm-hmm. And the person she was with read the Psalm 91. I said 9-1. I think it's 91. It's 91. Sorry. Aloud as they moved through the house. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Okay. So nothing happened for three days after that. Good. And then things got like ten times worse because they just pissed it off. Not good. Yeah. The family said demons possessed Latoya and her children, and they were seven, nine, and twelve at the time. Dang. Rosa and Latoya said the kids' eyes bulged, evil smiles crossed their faces, and their voices deepened every time that happened. That's terrifying. Rosa said the demons didn't affect her because she was born with protection from evil. Mm-hmm. And she said she and others like her have a guardian guardian who protects them. So. Okay. She never got possessed or anything. Latoya, though, said she felt weak, lightheaded, and warm when she was possessed. Her body shook, and she said she felt out of control. Hmm. The youngest boy, seven, sat in a closet talking to a boy that no one else could see. That's terrifying and the other boy was describing what it felt like to be killed that is also fucking terrifying rosa said that one time the seven-year-old flew out of the bathroom as if he'd been thrown and a headboard once smacked into latoya's daughter causing a wound that needed stitches wow the 12 year old would later tell mental health professionals that she sometimes felt if she were being choked and held down so she couldn't speak or move And she also said she heard a voice say she'd never see her family again and wouldn't live for another 20 minutes. Dang. Some nights, the family ended up sleeping at a hotel. They just could not stand being at the house. Yeah. At this point, they decided to try and get other help. Mm -hmm. And they went to see their family physician, Dr. Jeffrey Onyiku. I think is how you say that. Mm -hmm. Onyiku. On April 19th of 2012. Latoya said that she told him what they were going through, hoping that he might understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. And the doctor clearly thought it was bizarre. Yeah. He said, 20 years and I've never heard anything like that in my life. I was scared myself when I walked into the room. Dang. In his medical notes about the visit, the doctor wrote delusions of ghosts in home and hallucinations. He also wrote history of ghosts at home and delusional. So, he was thinking that they weren't telling the truth. Yeah, they're like, he's like, this ain't real. These yeah. people are messed up in the head. Basically. What Latoya and Rosa say happened next was also detailed in a DCS report of a family case manager's interviews with medical staff. He walked up the wall, flipped over her, and stood there. What the fuck? And we'll get more into that in a second. Okay. So, Latoya's sons cursed the doctor in demonic voices, raging at him. Mm-hmm. Medical staff said the youngest boy was lifted and thrown into the wall with nobody touching him. That was also filed in the DCS report. 
and the boys abruptly passed out and wouldn't come to. <laughs> Rosa and Latoya both held both boys, mm-hmm. and someone from the doctor's office decided to call 911. The doctor said seven or eight police officers and multiple ambulances showed up. Nobody could figure out what was happening. So yeah. They were like, what the hell? Yeah. And Latoya said hospital personnel laughed at her desire to anoint her sons in the olive oil. The boys did wake up in the hospital, and the older boy acted rationally, but the youngest screamed and thrashed, and it took five men to hold him down. A seven-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. One I time, mean, I don't know. One time I had my blood drawn, and I was around seven, mm-hmm. and, like, it took my mom and four nurses to hold me down to get my blood drawn. Kids are pretty fucking strong. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. I feel like that's, like. Yeah. Not really. That could be a one-off type thing. Yeah, yeah. Someone called DCS and asked the agency to investigate LaToya for possible child abuse or neglect because I think a lot of people are thinking she's delusional. Yeah. So, the caller wasn't named in the DCS report. We wouldn't name him here anyways. Yeah. Speculated that LaToya might have a mental illness Mm -hmm. and the person believed that the children were performing for her and she was encouraging the behavior. Interesting. So, the DCS family case manager, Valerie Washington, was asked to handle the initial investigation. She gave the following account to police in, and in her intake officer's report. Hospital personnel ex- examined LaToya and her children and found them to be healthy and free of marks or bruises. A hospital psychiatrist evaluated LaToya and determined she was of sound mind. So, she's not abusing them. No. And she's, she's not, not crazy. crazy. So, something else is going on. So, Valerie, the case manager, interviewed the family in the hospital while they were there. And while she spoke with LaToya, the seven-year-old boy started growling and his teeth were showing and his eyes rolled in the back of his head. Hmm. The boy locked his hands around his older brother's throat and refused to let go until adults pried his hands open. Dang. Later that evening, Valerie and a registered nurse, Willie Lee Walker, brought the two boys into a small exam room for an interview and Rosa joined them. The seven-year-old stared into his brother's eyes and began to growl again. It's time to die, the boy said in a deep, unnatural voice. I will kill you. The fuck? So while the youngest boy spoke, the older brother started headbutting Rosa in the stomach. And Rosa grabbed her grandson's hands and started praying. Now this is where we're going to talk about what I said a second ago. According to Washington's original DCS report, which is a nurse practitioner... Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, sorry, not the nurse practitioner, but the case manager, Valerie. Oh, okay. An account corroborated by the nurse, the nine-year-old had a weird grin and walked backward up a wall to the ceiling. He then flipped over Rosa, landing on his feet. Okay. He never let go of her hand. Interesting. Police asked Valerie whether the boy had run up the wall, as though, like, doing, like, an acrobatic trick, because they thought, oh, he got a running start and then just flipped. She said no. He glided backward on the floor, wall, and ceiling. Glided. I'm trying to picture that. I feel like she just means, like, not necessarily glided, but the way he was walking, like, slowly. Not like he ran. Yeah. But he just, like, stepped up the wall. Yeah. Very meticulously. And flipped. Okay. That's, that's something. Right. She told police she was scared when it happened and ran out of the room. As for the nurse practitioner, Valerie said, he ran out of the room with me. Mm-hmm. 
Um, the nurse practitioner said, we didn't even know what was going on. That was crazy. I was like, everybody got to go. Man. Same. Like, GTFO. Right? According to Valerie's report, they told a doctor what happened, and the doctor didn't believe them, but he asked the boy if he could do it again. <laughs> um, the nurse practitioner said when he told the doctor he doubted that the boy would do the same thing again, Walker told the doctor, like, the kid wasn't himself when he did that. Yeah. So, like, there's no way. That wasn't him. Mm-mm. The boy said he didn't remember what happened and couldn't do it, hmm. according to Valerie's report. The nurse practitioner, who said he previously believed in demons and spirits, thought the boy's behavior had some demonic spirit to it, but was also the result of a mental illness. Mm -hmm. And a police report quoted Valerie, saying she believed there could be an evil influence affecting the family. Latoya said she spent the night at the hospital with her seven-year-old son, while Rosa took Latoya's daughter and the older son to a relative's home. Okay. The next day was LaToya's youngest son's 8th birthday, and LaToya said DCS officials asked Rosa to bring the older children back to the hospital so they could talk more about, like, what is happening and what had been going on. Mm -hmm. The family did celebrate his birthday. They sang and ate miniature cake, and then LaToya said Valerie told them the children wouldn't be going home. DCS took the emergency step of taking custody of the children without a court order. What? Yeah. All of the children were experiencing emo spiritual and emotional distress, is what Valerie wrote in the DCS form. Okay. Latoya said that her and her children cried because they didn't want to be separated. Right. Quote, we'd already been through so much and fought so hard for our lives. It was obvious we were a team and we were beating it, whatever we were fighting. We made it through together as a team and they separated us. Yeah, that's rough. Now we're going to talk about Reverend. Michael Maginot was leading Bible study in his living room the morning of April 20th, 2012, when he received a call from the hospital chaplain. Michael had been the priest at State... State? State? State. State? St. <laughs> Stephen Martyr Parish in Merrillville. Wow, that's a mouthful. Yeah. For more than 10 years. He never received any type of request like this, but they were basically asking him to do an exorcism on Latoya's nine-year-old son. Okay. Michael agreed to interview the family um, after Sunday Mass a few days later. Okay. So the first step, Michael said, was ruling out natural causes. Okay. He visited Latoya and Rosa at their home on April 22nd, 2012. He was there for two hours, and Latoya and Rosa detailed basically everything that had happened and Rosa interrupted the interview to point out a flickering bathroom light. The flickering stopped every time Michael walked over, hmm. which he thought was a demonic presence. Right. It must be scared of me, is what he said. That makes sense. The interview was erupted, a, interrupted a second time when Rosa pointed out a Venetian, the Venetian blinds in the kitchen swinging. There was no air current. Mm-hmm. Michael said he saw wet footprints throughout the living room. Remember how Rosa yeah. said she saw that man's... footprints. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Latoya ended up complaining about having a headache, and Michael said she convulsed when he placed a crucifix against her head. Okay. Which seems kind of rough to start out. Yeah. But 
and after a four-hour interview, Michael said he was convinced that they were being tormented by the demons. Yeah. And he believed there were ghosts in the house. Michael did bless the house before he left. He prayed, he read from the Bible, he sprinkled holy water in each room, and he told Latoya and Rosa to leave because it wasn't safe, and they temporarily moved in with a relative. Okay. So less than a week later, Rosa and Latoya were back at their home um, to let Valerie check the condition of the home. Valerie asked a Lake County police officer to come with her. Two other officers, one from Gary and Hammond Police Departments, asked to join them out of professional curiosity. Which, come on now. Like, they're a You just wanted to see. Like, yeah. yeah. Latoya refused to go inside, but Rosa agreed to accompany them because Rosa, remember, she's protected by her guardian. Mm-hmm. Latoya's kids were still in DCS custody at this time. So, the main floor has three bedrooms, a living room, bathroom, and an open-style kitchen. And a door in the kitchen led to the basement with concrete floors that we had talked about, the door opening. Mm -hmm. Directly under the stairs was a dirt floor, and the concrete around it was jagged, like it had been broken up or Mm -hmm. something. The makeshift altar LaToya had created was still in place, along with rings of salt she had poured against the basement walls to dissuade the demons. Mm -hmm. And that was in a police department report. Okay. Rosa told officers that demons seemed to emanate from beneath the stairs. And Austin, like we had talked about right at the beginning, Mm -hmm. the Gary police captain, was one of the officers that had came. Okay. And he said he believed in ghosts and the supernatural, but he didn't believe in demons. But he changed his mind after this. After this. This Mm -hmm. made him believe. During the interview with Rosa, one of the officer's audio recorders malfunctioned, and the power light flashed to indicate the batteries were dying. Even though they had put fresh batteries in it. They do suck the energy out of electronics. Definitely. Another officer recorded audio, and when he played it back later, heard an unknown voice whisper, Hey. That's fucked up. I would shit my pants. The officer also took photos of the house, and in one photo of the basement stairs, there was a cloudy white image in the upper right-hand corner. When the officer enlarged the photo, the cloud appeared to resemble a face. The enlargement also revealed a second green image that police say looked like a female. Interesting. Austin said photos he snapped with his iPhone also have dis- ha- also seemed to have strange silhouettes in them, and the radio in his police-issued Ford malfunctioned on the way home. Yep. And then later, when Austin got home, he said his garage door refused to open, even though the power was on everywhere else. Mm-hmm. He said he had the car checked at the dealership, and the mechanic told him, The motor on the driver's side seat was broken, which the mechanic said could have caused a distraction leading to an accident. Interesting. So, like, the demons were trying to fuck with him. Yeah. Austin said he found himself starting to believe Latoya's claims of paranormal activity at this point because Mm -hmm. he had all these things, like, happening to him. He's like, one thing maybe could be a coincidence, but Mm -hmm. all of these things is not a coincidence. But the professionals that were, like, interviewing, like, Latoya and her kids. Uh Uh-huh. They were like, mm, mm, still don't believe not right yet. Yeah. So in April 2012, DCS petitioned Lake Juvenile Court for temporary wardship of the three children, and the request was granted. DCS found that Latoya neglected her children's education by not having them in school regularly. Mm. The agency made the same finding in 2009 from records yeah. previous. 
Latoya told Valerie there were times that she could not send the kids to school because the spirits would make them sick or they would be up all night without sleep. I mean, I could see that. DCS temporarily placed her daughter and older son at St. Jo- Joseph's Carmelite Home in East Chicago, and Latoya's youngest son was sent to Christian Haven in Wheatfield for a psychiatric evaluation. Well, the youngest son was the one that was, like, doing the most. What, yeah, he- I think so. Yeah. No, the oldest son told him he would kill him in a really deep voice. Wasn't the youngest son that's the one that flipped over on the wall? Yeah, but, like, the older son was still talking in, like, a deep voice mm-hmm. and stuff. And the girl levitated off they the bed. They were all, like, fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Clinical psychologist Stacy Wright, who evaluated Latoya's youngest son, said the boy tended to act possessed when he was challenged, redirected, or asked questions he didn't want to answer. She wrote that he seemed coherent and logical, except when he talked about demons. So then, the eight-year-old story became bizarre, fragmented, and illogical. His stories changed each time he told them. Hmm. He also changed the subject, quizzing her on math problems and asking her about outer space. Interesting. Can you die if you go to space, he asked. How do you get to space? Do you have to wear a helmet and suit? Hmm. So... The psychologist believed the eight-year-old didn't suffer from a true psychotic disorder. This is a quote from them. This appears to be an unfortunate and sad case of a child who has been induced into a delusional system perpetrated by his mother and potentially reinforced by other relatives, she wrote in her psychological evaluation. Interesting. Clinical psychologist Joe Schwartz, who evaluated Latoya's daughter and older son, came to a similar conclusion. There also appears to be a need to assess the extent to which LaToya's daughter may have been unduly influenced by her mother's concerns that the family was exposed to paranormal experiences. That's what that psychologist wrote. LaToya's daughter told Schwartz that she she saw shadowy figures in their home, and she also said she twice went into trances. LaToya's older son told Schwartz that doors would slam and stuff would start moving around. Latoya also was examined several times by psychologists who said she was guarded, but did not seem to be experiencing symptoms of psychosis or a thought disorder. One psychologist recommended Latoya to be assessed to determine whether her religion may be masking underlying delusional ideations or perceptual disturbances. Latoya and all three kids continued to insist they were possessed by demons. Hmm. So DCS set goals for the family, because you... I mean, with any DCS case, they have to set certain goals. Yeah. So you can get your kids back. Right. Like, if you can prove yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. One of them stipulated that the children not discuss demons and being possessed and take responsibility for their actions. Because the psychologist thought that the kids were just using it to, like, not take accountability. Mm Mm-hmm. And that they also needed to participate in therapy to address past behavior. Okay. While DCS officials credited LaToya for sharing a close bond with her children. The agency also said she needed to use alternate forms of discipline not directly related to religion and demon possession. And this was actually in the case plan. Okay. So appropriate discipline included encouragement, rules, and withholding privileges. She could work on those goals during supervised visits with the children. Okay. So right now she's only allowed to have supervised visits. Mm -hmm. They don't want her talking about the religion. They don't want her talking about all that. Latoya also had to find a job and appropriate housing due to the paranormal activity at the house that they were living in currently. 
So they're like, well, maybe if she moves, it'll, like... Go away. Yeah. So while LaToya worked on meeting those objectives, police and DCS officials continued to investigate strange happenings in the house. Mm-hmm. Rosa, LaToya, and Austin, and then two other police officers from the initial visit, went back to the house on the afternoon of May 10th of 2012. The police officers came after work hours. They wanted to see this, okay? Mm-hmm. They were joined by Michael, the reverend, mm-hmm. two Lake County officers with a police dog, and another DCS family case manager, Samantha Illick. Okay. Samantha, who was there in an official capacity, told the star she volunteered to go in Valerie's place because Valerie didn't want to go back to that house after what she had seen. I don't blame her. A county officer took the police dog around the home. The dog didn't show interest in any particular area, and everyone else headed into the basement. Okay. Um, Samantha touched some strange liquid she saw dripping in the basement and said it felt slippery yet sticky between her fingers. Ew. No, thank you. And I would not be touching any strange liquid. No. Michael told police he wanted to check the dirt under the stairs for a pentagram or personal objects that may have been cursed. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if they, people were doing, like, demonic yeah, shit down yeah. there and whatnot. So, anyways, he said a pentagram might indicate a demonic presence and possible portal to hell. Right. So, if someone had died in the house and was buried under the stairs, that could also explain the paranormal activity. So, he was kind of going, like, both ways. Yeah. One of the police officers dug a four-foot, that's a big hole, by three-foot. Mm-hmm. Four-foot's only two-foot short of a casket hole. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And this was beneath the stairs. He unearthed a pink press-on fingernail, a white pair of panties. Ew, a I hate that shirt word pin, with my whole life. Panties. I hate that word. Panties? That makes me want to throw up. Why? I don't know. Panties? That's how they're just describing... I know. A girl's panties? Underwear. If they said a white pair of underwear, you might think of whitey tidies. Yeah, that's true. A political shirt pin. Sorry. (laughs) A lid for a small cooking pan. Socks with the bottoms cut off below the ankles... So, it was just, like, the circular part that goes on your foot? (laughs) Like, okay. Candy wrappers and a heavy metal object that looked like a weight for a drapery cord. So, just, like, trash. Yeah. They found nothing else. The officer put the dirt back. Okay. Michael blessed some salt, which he said is a barrier to evil, Mm -hmm. spread it under the stairs and throughout the basement. And Samantha said when she was later standing in the living room with the rest of the group, her left pinky finger started to tingle and whiten. And she said it felt broken. Ten minutes later, Samantha said she felt like she was having a panic attack and she couldn't breathe, so she had to go outside. And when the priest started questioning LaToya inside the house, she complained of a headache and shoulder pain. And she went outside with Samantha. Okay. Austin, the investigator, said he left the house at nightfall. This dude has been through a lot, okay? Mm -hmm. But he said he wasn't staying in that house past dark. I don't blame him. Yeah. The other officers continued to walk through the home. On the main floor, they noticed an oil-like substance dripping from Venetian blinds in a bedroom, but couldn't figure out where it was coming from. Don't touch it. Yeah, why would you touch unknown unknown substances? Literally. So to make sure Rosa or LaToya hadn't poured oil on the blinds, 
Two of the officers used paper towels to clean it off, and the officers sealed the room for 25 minutes and stood nearby so no one could walk in. And when they went back in, the oil reappeared. Michael told police the liquid was a manifestation of a paranormal or demonic presence. And he wrote a report detailing his findings and asked Bishop Dale Melzick's permission to perform an exorcism on LaToya. Interesting. So, they're moving forward. Side note, I looked up what Venetian blinds were because mm-hmm. I was like, are they just like some other like, oh, kind of blinds? Oh, I know what blinds? they were. Mm-hmm. So they're just like blinds. Yeah. They're just like regular white mm-hmm. blinds. I thought they were going to be some like fancy blinds. Nope, they're just like those Are blinds. they like the wooden blinds though? No. Oh. They're just like blinds. Interesting. Like I guess some blinds can be like vertical. Mm-hmm. These are just like regular horizontal like blinds that lift up. Just got a fancy word, I guess. Venetian blinds. I didn't know. Like, literally, like, Venetian blinds. Bruh. What? Like, <laughs> yeah, I was... I thought I Venetian know. blinds were, like, wooden slats, but okay. I thought they would be fancy. I don't... Interesting. Guess not. That's why I was, like, didn't say anything for a second, because I was like, what are Venetian blinds? Right. Um, yeah, that's it. So, Michael said that Bishop Dale had never authorized an exorcism in 21 years. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody would just be like, yeah, go ahead. Right. Debbie Bozak, director of communications for the diocese, said she cannot comment on whether um, Dale has ever approved an exorcism for confidentiality reasons. Mm-hmm. She said such an action would require the bishop's approval. Okay. So Dale initially denied Michael's request to do a church-sanctioned exorcism, and the bishop told Michael to contact other priests who have performed exorcisms. He's like, yeah, if you want to do this, um, I ain't doing it. Don't call me. Michael said he needed other priests to give him the ritual for a minor exorcism, which does not require church approval. And the priests he consulted told him to look it up on the internet. Nice. Google it. I mean, it was like... They're like, I really didn't want no part of this literally you do you do you right so he said that he did an intense blessing on the home to expel the bad spirits okay that same day michael performed a minor exorcism on latoya the ritual consisted of prayer statements and appeals to cast out demons Mm -hmm. two police officers and samantha the case manager attended the ritual samantha said she left believing that something was going on Although she wouldn't go as far as saying it was demonic. She said she got chills during the nearly two-hour rite. Dang. We felt like someone was in the room with you. Someone breathing down your neck. Ew. And then, Samantha said she had a string of medical problems after visiting the home. And a week later, she visited the house for a last time. She got third-degree burns from a motorcycle. And then within 30 days, she broke three ribs jet skiing, broke a hand when she hit a table, and then broke an ankle running in flip-flops. I need to sage myself before I leave because I feel like this is going to come and haunt me. I had friends who couldn't or who wouldn't talk to me because they believed that something had attached itself to me. I'm already evil. They try to find something that's not evil and corrupt it. They wouldn't waste their time on me. That's kind of sad. She was just making a joke, though. Yeah. She wasn't being serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after the minor ritual, Michael told Latoya to look up names of demons that were tormenting her. Yeah, let me just Google. Let that. me just let me just run to Google real fast. Michael what said, demons are haunting me? <laughs> Literally, Michael said that 
each demon has a name and a personality. Right. A name has power. And he planned to use those names to fight the demons during the exorcism. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to laugh about that. I'm just laughing about the fact that he said she had to look up the names. Like, Well, I do know there's like seven. Is there seven demons? Six or seven? I don't know. And I know you're not supposed to like say their names. Oh. Because it gives them power. Oh. Well, then I'm not even going to look it up. So I don't know. Well, that's a name right there. <gasps> no, I'm just kidding. I don't. I mean, I think if you say them together, like, mm, mm. like a Beetlejuice type of situation. I'm not gonna say it. It's fine. Do you want me to say it? No, I don't want you to say it in okay. my house. I don't want to say it. Period. Okay. Okay. Latoya. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, don't fucking say that shit here. I'll say it. No. I'll go into your house and I'll say it if you say it. I don't want it said. Latoya said she and a friend looked up the demons' names online by searching for demons that represented the problems the family had been having. Mm -hmm. The computer kept shutting down. She said she felt sick and lightheaded. But she said they found names that fit. One Mm -hmm. such name was blank. I'm not going to say it. Lord of the Flies, Latoya said. She said they also found names of demons that torture and hurt kids, which she felt explained what happened in their house. Latoya said other high-ranking demons were also assigned to her, including lieutenants and sergeants. Hmm. They got a whole thing going on down there. In hell. Yeah. After the minor rite, Michael said the bishop, Dale, gave him permission to exorcise Latoya. The ritual is the same as the minor exorcism, but more powerful because it has the backing of the Catholic Church. Michael performed three major exorcisms on Latoya. Two in English and the last one in Latin in June 2012 at his Maryville church. During each, Michael said he praised God and condemned the devil. He pressed a crucifix against Latoya's head as he spoke. I cast you out, unclean spirit, along with every satanic power of the enemy, every specter from hell, and all your fell companions. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Michael said his voice continued to get louder and more forceful until the demon weakened, and he said he could tell how strong the demon was by how much Latoya convulsed. Two police officers who had kept in touch with Michael since the home investigation stood nearby in case Latoya needed to be restrained. Latoya said she prayed with Michael until it became too painful. She said she felt as if something inside her was trying to hold on and inflict pain at the same time. And she said it was different from a natural pain, but felt as intense as giving birth. Interesting. Crazy, right? Mm-hmm. I was hurting all over from the inside out. I'm trying to do my best and be strong. Eventually, Michael said Latoya fell asleep. She said that was the demon's way of lessening the ritual's effects. <laughs> In between the second and third exorcisms, Michael said he went on a retreat. A woman who assisted Michael with some of the exorcisms helped set up a backup plan in case Latoya had problems while Michael was gone. The woman wrote a long demon name, Michael said he can't remember which one it was, I wasn't going to say it anyways, on a piece of paper and tucked it into an envelope, then she surrounded it with blessed salt. If Latoya had problems, the woman would burn the envelope. I don't know if that, like, traps them in the envelope and, like, hurts them in some way. Mm Mm-hmm. So, by this time, LaToya and her mother had moved to Indy, which, Indianapolis. We call it Indy here in Indiana, sorry. Um, But they drove back for the exorcisms and court hearings as her children were still in DCS's care at this time. 
Michael said he blessed the family's new home to prevent more problems. But Latoya called while Michael was on his retreat, complaining of bad dreams, so the woman burned the envelope and she saved the ashes to burn later in a church bonfire. And after that, Latoya said her nightmares ended. Good. In the final exorcism at the end of June 2012, Michael said he prayed and berated the demons in Latin rather than English. Police officers did not attend, so Michael said his brother stood guard. Michael said Latoya convulsed while he condemned the demons, but did not convulse during prayer. And when she fell asleep, he said words of thanksgiving. It would be the last time Latoya saw Michael, and she and her mother drove back to Indianapolis, where they say they now live without fear. Good. Latoya's old home became an object of local curiosity, so much so that the owner and landlord called the Gary Police Department to ask officers to stop driving by the house because it was scaring his new tenant. <laughs> he said there were no problems in the home before or after Latoya and her family lived there. I thought I heard it all. This was a new one to me. My belief system has a hard time jumping over that bridge. Mm -hmm. When told of the Catholic Church involvement in the situation, he said it made him less skeptical. Latoya did regain custody of her three children in November 2012, Good. which was about six months after they had been removed the, from the home, and DCS continued to check in on them and make sure they were going to school, and the case was closed um, in the following February. Mm -hmm. Amons called her, oh, sorry, Latoya called her children's return the happiest day of her life, and they screamed and jumped up and down when she picked them up from Aww. the office. The children said they felt a lot safer after they left that house, and the three left their demonic voices and complaints behind them. And that is it. Nice. Well, I'm glad I had a happy ending. Yeah, me too. That is messed up, though. For sure. Like, they're, those kids will probably be, like, traumatized. Oh, 100%. For, like, the rest of their lives. I would be. But they're, you know, probably doing therapy and stuff for it. Oh, I'm sure. So... Well, especially with DCS involved and, yeah. like, them not closing the case for a while. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that helped. Interesting. I had never heard of that. Yep. And that is the, um, possession of LaToya and her children. Hmm. But they are not possessed any longer. Good. And I am happy for them. Yeah, for sure. Well, if you haven't already, go check out our socials. I'm not posting any pictures from this case, unless I find a picture of the house. Yeah. So, all other pictures I'm not posting. I just feel like that that's that's not right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but go check out our social media. We posted other pictures. Yep. Go check out our Patreon if you haven't already. Mm -hmm. The links are in the show notes, by the way. Always. And uh, that's it. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. Yeah, I was waiting on you. <laughs>